Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and this is episode 26. I'm delighted to say hello and welcome to my guest, James Warren. Straight away, I'm going to ask James to introduce himself as he's going to do a much better job than I could. Hello, Andrew. Well, um, as you said, James Warren. Uh, it's, it's my privilege to work as communications manager for Western Europe and the UK for Rolls-Royce Motorcars, and I'm, I'm very glad to be on the show. No, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yes, well, we will. I, I, I have several questions later on about communications and where Western Europe is and things like that, as well as Rolls-Royce. So um, first of all, though, I am going to um, follow the well-worn path of Rearview, which is to start about your um, when you first got interested in cars uh, and if you can remember when that was. Yes, it's 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 one of those things. We as a family have a fairly sort of um, potted and slightly inauspicious car history. I think lots of the people I'm sure that you, that you have on here, their 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 parents would have had all sorts of interesting things. Um, I spent most of my formative years in the back of a Citroen Xantia. Um, but that's not a bad place to be. Yeah, not not, um, not bad at all. I mean, it maybe led me down the path of slightly sort of wafty, very very good riding cars. There's a lot to be said to that. Yeah, there's, there's something definitely built for. Car- Comfort, um, but, but rather strangely, my, my, both my, my sort of my brother, myself, and and actually my sister and and my little sister as well, um, all, all sort of became petrol heads out of it. My my, my brother's a, a big Land Rover chap. He's he's also had Austin Healy's. My my elder sister again Land Rovers and green laning and all sorts of other stuff. My little sister's into GTIs, um, and of course I I sort of um, I, you know grew an obsession with cars. And 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 you know, to answer your question, when did it first start? It, it was a couple of things. For, First of all, my, my dad did the, the inevitable thing where he, he puts you on his knee and, and sort of lets you drive up the driveway. Uh, <laughs> and I remember being being just transfixed with the sort of notion that, that that something will move you and you can control it. And and from there on, just just got obsessed with the idea of driving and and sort of passing a test and, and all the rest of it. Um, and then I think it was it was also motorsport, and it was that that sort of very casual. In the days when when F1 was was always on terrestrial, it was it was always on in the background. And I I remember Mansell winning his championship and Damon Hill and kind of getting into it at school and 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 just being utterly utterly transfixed with with racing cars. And 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 you know I suppose like like many people, it kind of planted the seed that that then grew. Um, so as I say, a slightly sort of inauspicious start, but um but probably a bit more down the conventional path after that. Well, that's the thing, and not that I want to get too political, because it, it, as with everything, it does seem to be political with a small p. Um, I, I am a firm believer that um, having access to see something, uh, particularly sport, whether you know it's F one or racing or it's cricket or rugby or football, helps someone get even more interested in it because you you can see it, you can experience it. And, and I mean, obviously having Murray Walker um, guide us through the F1 of those times as well just helped sort of cement the whole magic of it all. Uh, and because they were, growing up, they were magical times to watch F1. Um, sort of jaw open all the time type TV. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, if, if you were watching F1 in the sort of, you know, early mid you know, even into the late 90s and, and then, of course, the Schumacher run, which was, was something in itself, 
you know, we were lucky. As, as you say, you had Murray Walker. Every house you seemed to go to, you know, for, for Sunday lunch, whether they were into it or not, you know, it would be on in the background. It was it was sort of an, an appointment to view event. And hmm. as, as much as, as, as I appreciate sort of commercial realities um, prevail and, 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 and I must say the coverage that's on satellite of, of Formula One is excellent, um, it, it is a shame that, that there isn't that sort of collective – I suppose, sort of collective um, viewing of, of Formula One. And as you say, maybe the casual viewer who's not seeking it out is, is going to miss out. It, do, it does make you wonder for the future of the sport. And, and you're right, I agree agree the same with, with cricket. I was I was very lucky. I, 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 was, I was having some time off during that great Ashes summer in 2005. And of course, every every ball of it was on Channel 4. And it, yeah. uh, as someone who was already broadly interested in cricket, I mean, it, it just created a love affair. And um, you, you do wonder now, I must say, what, where, where, where does the future go for it? Yeah, it is. Um, it is worrying, but I, I don't like. I, said, I don't want to go too far down that because I could talk for hours and well get on my hobby horse and get many splinters from it. Um, so, okay. So you 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 gained from an early age. You got this interest into cars, which has evolved. Did you do anything in school to um, sort of further that along, or were choices you made in school slightly tinged, or maybe directly? Um, with an idea of something to do with cars, or was that just uh, a something that was running along so, uh, by the side of it, and you were just getting through school, as it were? Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, I was definitely one of the kids that was, you know, a, a core of us, and I, I, I was quite lucky. I went to school with lots of Germans, so of course they they had they they had an incredible sort of knowledge of of of, of not only sort of passenger cars but racing cars um mm. so so i was i was certainly sort of in in that little clique of people that would that would pour over kind of autosport and motorsport and and i would read the motoring press um you know and i certainly remember reading you know kind of richard bremner and and those sort of people in the and those those kind of epic trips and frankel uh, and those guys and thinking you know, in, in the back of my mind somewhere thinking, crikey, if I, if I was to become a, a motoring journalist, what a, you know, what, what a life that would be. I'd, I'd get to drive all these amazing cars that you, you wouldn't even dream to see sort of growing up in rural Essex, you know? Mm. Um, so, 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 but probably more from a sort of enthusiast standpoint, I, I definitely wasn't one of those kids that was, that was sort of staying late in DT class and, you know, knew how to put together a carburetor or anything like that. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not remotely practically minded enough, but I suppose it was, it was kind of the romance of the whole thing. Um, and and I, I don't know I, I don't know whether whether you agree, but I think when I was a kid and, and, and sort of growing up, you didn't see desirable cars as much as as you do now. I'm, I'm not quite sure why. Um, so so you, you sort of had to live those fantasies out, you know. In, in, as I say, in the pages of Car Magazine and Auto Car and you know whatever it was, those, those sort of great writers. Um, so, so so you know certainly was inspired by that kind of notion of 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 being in this very glamorous, almost kind of unattainable world. And it must have stayed with me because um, school sort of soon led to a, a sojourn into, into business. Um, and, and, and from there, the sort of the, the passion for cars as someone who was buying cars um, kind of grew. I was, I was in a sort of strange part of business, nothing to do with cars at all, um, and, and, and went through a, a few sort of interesting cars at that stage. Um, and then, of course, went to university, studied journalism, and, and you know, very much in, in mind of doing sort of 
great, you know, sort of travel pieces and wanting to write about sport and 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 maybe one day dreaming that I might file a, a byline as a as a car journalist. Um, and, and of course, you know, a degree in journalism inevitably leads you to PR these days. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of, um, but by accident, but but probably the happiest accident you you, you could imagine. Where did you do your degree? Um, I, I, I was very lucky to to, to find a place. As I say, my, my academic career was 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 not 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 the most sort of auspicious in the world um and and fortunately i, I found um a good mate of mine from school who was at southampton solent university mm-hmm. um and, and they certainly took a, a quite progressive view on well let's let's look at the person holistically let's let's look at their skills you know if, if they've got a bit of life experience that, that that isn't necessarily sort of traditional academia and as i say, I said i've sort of washed up in business a little bit we'll we'll have a look at them um and, and I, you know i found myself at a, a time in life where you know, I, I wanted to go and sort of study further and realized that I probably missed out on that experience a little bit um, and and very quickly picked journalism. And, you know, I, I can't knock it at all. It was it was a fantastic course. They, you know, they, they were incredibly keen for us to go and go and sort of pick up practical skills. And, and, and that's something I would advise anyone looking to get into sort of communications, journalism, whatever it is, you know, go and hammer on the door of, of work experience opportunities, go and write a blog, um, you know, all of that sort of good stuff that 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 teaches you those kind of soft communication skills. You know, how, how do you interview someone? How, how do you ask someone if, uh, you know, if I can come and take a picture of that or, or, or just, just have that kind of journalistic curiosity. Um, and, and it built, built my confidence. So, so that sort of three years at Solent really, really made me. And, and, and I have no doubt, I, you know, I wouldn't be, be kind of sat here talking to you today if, if I hadn't have had that mate who, who sort of said, look, you, sh- you should think about applying it, you know? It's something I'm always interested to hear. Um, from uh, degrees is how practical a, a Ben they put on it, and and I I'm I'm presuming because I I haven't obviously done anything like this, but I'm presuming being practical in journalism has to be you know one of the major facets of it, apart from being able to communicate a story in an interesting and uh, nice way that the the readers or or the listeners or whoever will want to to uh, absorb. Yeah, I, I, certainly, I, I think you. You know, good, good journalists and 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 good communicators. Not to not to kind of um, conflate the two things. Um, you, you're absolutely right. You, you you have to have a kind of, I suppose, an instinctive understanding of of what an audience wants to read. And and, and that was another thing that they um, that they were very good at. Um, you know, consume media. Just just consume it ravenously. Um, and, and that's that's from from getting up in the morning, which is never an easy task when you're a student and listening to the program, <laughs> you know, right down to reading, reading at least two papers cover to cover every day, read your favorite magazine, you know, watch Newsnight. And, and, and they would they would sort of news test us and shame us if we if, if we weren't up on it. And I, I'm sure that, that, you know, just just that that sort of absorbing of of different ways of communicating, I suppose, different ways of interpreting stories, you know, gave you a, a sort of inherent new sense that. That, that certainly helped in my my kind of very very brief um, dalliances with journalism, albeit very enjoyable, um, but but certainly has has, has equipped me well, um, you know, in my career at Rolls Royce, in my career as as a communications professional, you know, someone who who I suppose understands a little bit about what you know what our audiences want to know about Rolls Royce and what within that that very rich story, um, you know. In essence, sells I suppose sells copy, sells newspapers, um, but but just just garners interest and, and inspires people. And you know, I, I I I find myself constantly sort of referencing back to those things I learned in in that very 
practical, um, quite vocational sort of university education and, and, and being very grateful to it. I think, you know, I, I can't see I can't see it being a bad thing at all. You know? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So um, when you started to work for Rolls-Royce, what was your first role? Well, look, oh, sorry, that's almost uh, <laughs> there's no, no pun intended there. No, no, um, <laughs> I, I was incredibly lucky. So I, I met a, um, I sort of made friends with a girl called Ruth, Ruth Fletcher, um, who, who then went on to Bonhams and is now in um, uh, in Sydney. Um, rather strangely, working for an agency I helped point over there, which is which is kind of the, the rather lovely sort of um, closeness of the motor industry. It's, it's an incredible <laughs> sort of close knit family. Um, so so I. I made friends with Ruth and, and she, she did the sort of the, the kind of year in industry sort of sandwich year, if, if, if you will. Um, and, and, and got this amazing internship at Rolls Royce in Singapore. Uh, first of all, I'd, I'd never heard of Singapore in my life or, or had any sort of even the foggiest notion of where it was. Um, and I remember being incredibly jealous and thinking, my God, Rolls Royce, this, this mark that I, I, I'd, I'd sort of built, built a, a real interest in, and I'll, I'll explain why a little later. Um, and thinking, you know, lucky Ruth, but God, I wish that was me. I mean, I, I'm not, not even sure she was that interested in cars. Um, and, and, and sort of, you know, I kept in touch with her during that year and, and, and was just kind of, you know, jewel to the floor hearing, hearing about all the amazing things she was doing and traveling around. And, um, you know, it was a very interesting time for Rolls Royce and, and was, was really thrilled that, that with sort of three months to go, she said, look, I need replacing. You're, you're about to graduate. So I need to come back and do my, you know, my final year at university and, and, and graduate myself. Um, you know, why don't you have a chat chat with um, the communications manager out there, a, a fabulous fella called Hal Sarudin. Um, and, and a bit like this, we, we had our first interview over Skype and um, and then I think met in a hotel in Southampton because he was he was over at Goodwood uh, for an event. Um, w- we hit it off and and next thing I know, I was I was offered a job, and I remember my mind sort of completely spinning and thinking, "Wow, you know, I, I'd never gone as far as I think the furthest I'd been before was Mallorca. You know, <laughs> I certainly hadn't ever, you know, ever sort of considered considered the prospect of of working in the Far East, and and it was just so sort of driven to this interview by you know by the fact it was Rolls Royce, and it was you know it was a real dream to to work in the, in the car industry, let alone for you know for for such a prestigious British mark. Um, mm. That, that I remember phoning my father and saying, "Look, you know, I've got a bit of a decision to make here. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go and, and potentially intern in Singapore, and, and, and expecting him to be sort of very, very concerned. And you know, you're, you're a bit young for that, and it's, you know, it's a hell of a move, and and all the rest of it. But him being absolutely over the moon and just said, "Get on with it. You know, what, what, why are you phoning me? What, what decision? <laughs> yeah, what, what decision exactly? And, and, and then, and then, the second sort of stroke of luck. So, so that that was crikey, that would have been sort of April, May. So it was just as I was kind of chucking in my my dissertation. Um, and, and then fortunately how, how said, look, well, it kind of makes sense. You need to earn a bit of money. Um, cause obviously I was, I was kind of, you know, in, in student phase at that point and, and mm-hmm. scrabbling around to buy margarine, you know, yes. alone flights, flights to Singapore <laughs> and all that. Um, he said, what, why don't, why don't you see if you can, you can get yourself a temporary job at, at Goodwood in the meantime, I was, I was due to fly out in September. So he got me in touch with Andrew Ball, who, who, um, Many of your listeners will know as the, the global corporate communications manager at Rolls Royce. Um, I still sit next to him today, which is which is rather lovely. Um, 
and 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 sort of two weeks later, I was I was working at Goodwood, staying in um, staying in rather fun digs. Um, I just worked in the most glorious summer. Um, this was this would have been the summer of 2010, I think 2010, 20 yeah 2010. Um, it was it was oh yes 2010 yeah it was the year that we we were celebrating the centenary of the spirit of ecstasy. So the, mm-hmm. the first events I got to work on, we we, we brought a hundred. Heritage Rolls Royces in from all of the clubs, the Rolls Royce Enthusiast Club, the Silver Ghost Club, and we took them for this beautiful sort of cavalcade around um, around the Goodwood Motor Circuit on a glorious June day, just just um, just before the Festival of Speed. And I just I, I, I just thought I'd landed in heaven. I, I, I mm. believe it. I mean, it's it's old cars, it's old Rolls Royces, delightful people. Um, you know, you're working in this this incredible sort of environment, and I, I urge anyone who's not been to get down to our home in in Goodwood. I mean, it is just the most beautiful setting, particularly in the summer. Um, and I remember sort of getting, you know, get, getting sort of into that, that 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 sort of that first role as as a communications assistant with Andrew, and thinking. God, I really, really don't. I'm not that bothered about Singapore now. You know, <laughs> Let me stay here. Yeah, yeah. He says in the summer. I mean, we'll talk to you in February, but I mean, in the summer. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it just it, it was such an idyllic time, and it was I suppose such a contrast to to three years of being at university and, and as I say, living that sort of student life to come into this incredibly sort of rarefied world. And you know, I remember. I think it was, it may have been my first week or second week. It was the Festival of Speed and, you know, sort of being chucked in a drophead coupe, a phantom drophead coupe, which is, you know, in itself a dream come true. And just feeling sort of the leather and the, um, you know, the lambswool floor mat and, mm. you know, the absolute silence of the car. I'll never, I'll never forget that first experience. And again, a beautiful sunny day and just being waved into the Festival of Speed and thinking, you know, blimey, in, in such a small way, I have arrived, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and by the way, it's it's always like this when we're here, you know, by the way. It's always this sort of thing. You'll, yeah. you'll get bored of it soon. <laughs> 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 I mean, you, you know, and 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 to, to this day, I always sort of try and pinch myself wherever you are, and you know, just remember how, how I was that day in my sort of Sainsbury suit, you know, um, sat, sat in this beautiful car and, and and going to fantastic events like that. So, I mean, it was just such a good grounding. It, it was it was so, so valuable to me to to have really sort of got got my got my teeth into the brand, at, you know, at Goodwood, and, and you know, it, it's amazing home. Um, down there before going out to Singapore. Well, you, you've got you've been fully immersed in the um, in the culture and the history and you know everything that is Rolls Royce before you've gone off. I mean, it it's, it it couldn't probably have been better. Yeah. Uh, in that in those terms, so when you went out to Singapore, you weren't having to learn Rolls Royce. You were having to learn, you know, what's how, you know the culture uh, in Singapore and how you deal with people and all that sort of stuff. You weren't having to learn two things at once. You were only having to learn one, as it were. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think I, th- I think you know Goodwood and, and and the home of Rolls Royce is a place that that you know. It doesn't fail to get under your skin. Um, you know, I, I remember being sort of just incredibly inspired by the sort of the family atmosphere there as well. You know, this sort of, you know, the, the fact that I mean, we were about a thousand employees at the time, and you know, in three months I kind of knew everyone. You know, everyone would would make the effort and say hello. And Andrew had been around for years, so he'd introduce you around. And you know, I just love the fact that no matter where you walked in the plant, you know, people would tell you what they're doing. And you know, someone who was who was inherently interested in learning the brand, but also just in the, the incredible sort of craft and, and, and 
you know, still awe-inspiring kind of application that goes on that that still amazes me today. Um, it, it was so good to be able to then then go out to the Far East and and you know particularly in markets where we were opening dealerships for the first time and and and, and really sort of reintroducing um, new countries to to, to Rolls Royce. It was it was so beneficial to be able to kind of talk passionately, you know, talk talk passionately mm. about what what Goodwood's all about, and, and I suppose bring a bit of the um, what was happening at Goodwood to to, to journalists and, and the people that I met. Um, so it was, it was an amazing time. I, I look back on incredibly fondly that you know that first sort of three months or, or however long it was of just wandering around wide eyed and you know kind of wanting to tell your mates everything every every day and everyone getting a bit sick of me. You know, saying, <laughs> yeah. oh god, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you don't understand. You really can't. I mean, much as I'm talking to you, you really can't understand this. <laughs> it was. But, but it was interesting what you were saying then about the uh, the feel of working there, because that was going to be one of the questions I was going to ask, um, you know, what it's like to work at Rolls-Royce, because the, uh, the, the bits that we see on telly or we hear about uh, in podcasts or on the radio or we read in magazines, it comes across as a calm to, well to me anyway i i feel as though it's a very calm place where, where everything is done in a very measured way yeah. you know nothing is rushed into and it's considered and there is a reason why something is happening and it and it just comes across as a, as a, not i'm not saying relaxed is the right word but there isn't uh, equally. I would say it's not very tense either. Yeah, I, I would. I would agree. I think you know, Crocky. In, in my time, sort of six years there, I must have toured, you know, hundreds of people, even even maybe maybe thousands. Uh, and 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 almost to a man, they they come away with the same thing. You know, there is there is just a measured quiet there. Um, I, I would say it's a very sort of purposeful quiet it's it's it, it's this lovely sort of industry if you if you stand on on sort of the gantry that that, that sits at the very beginning of, of of our production line um and just observe it for a few minutes it's, it's fascinating to watch it's you know it, it is it is very purposeful and people people are working with incredible sort of concentration and skill and application but but as you say that there is that absolute sense of calm i i think that's that's to some extent that the building i mean it is a, it's a magnificent designer a nicholas grimshaw design that was that was put together to create that sort of atmosphere it, you know floods with light there's space um you know we, we have glass everywhere you know all, all of those kind of good things that, that makes for a very sort of modern workplace and, and then of course the you know the, the the product that you're working on i mean we we are in so many ways, a, a luxury house, you know, that, that mm. happens to make cars. And, you know, and it's a similar environment that, that, that I imagine that, you know, the very finest watches being made in or, you know, beautiful ceramics or jewellery. It's, it's, it's experts in their field um, who, who, because we, we create something that's bespoke and we create something that, 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 that needs inherent flexibility, um, you know, w- within it, um, they're working very much with their own initiative. They're working. They're working very much um, at, at that the sort of the peak of their skill. These are masters. They are artisans. They're all of those good things. Um, but 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 as you say, with with purpose and a quiet sort of purpose and, and no panic. You know, it's the wonderful sort of virtue of of of, of our policy not to not to obsess about volume. You know, we we're, we're not building ten thousand, eleven, twelve thousand cars a year in that that sort of mass luxury way. We're we're, we're building. 
you know, a very rarefied number. And, and that means people have time. They have to mm. take those cars out of process and to create the beautiful bespoke solutions that our customers demand. And, you know, it, it's just an incredibly, incredibly inspiring place to work, to to see people drawn from all sorts of different industries. And, you know, you, you all know as, as well as anyone that, that, that in those early days we – we pulled people out of the boat building industry and and saddle making and since then people who stitched parliamentary red boxes and tattooists and all sorts of incredible skills you know people people are expert in textiles throw a lot of creative people i think into any great space and 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 then um and then sort of hand them the very best, best materials it's a compelling mix whether you're interested in cars or you're interested in luxury or just interested in in artisanal craft or just fine things uh, you know an amazing amazing place to be so it doesn't surprise me that everyone comes away with that impression and, and as i say I, I still walk you know walk those corridors today six years later and and you know, there's a lot of day goes by where something doesn't amaze you. You, know? mm. you don't see someone doing something and think, you know, my God, how can you even conceive to do that? You know, this this restless pursuit of, of, of perfection. It's it's an amazing, amazing place. I don't think there's anywhere really like it. To be honest, it's it's, it's extraordinary. No, I think it's it's what you said. You you would have to be going to such high end um, uh, craftspeople to find something similar because that's the thing that came away from me from that and I, and I I think this is the best piece that um the Clarkson Hammond May Top Gear did is when they um decided to look at what does Britain produce ah oh, yes yes yeah and Hammond was at the factory he was and he walked around and you saw thing and he put little touches in like you know we they they use um Bullskin because of the stretch marks. And then you go, of course, that's so simple. It is in hindsight when someone tells you, <laughs> but somebody's worked that out. And, and then you could see the people working. And then there was the coach line being put in. And, and you know, and, and even his uh, delivery to camera was, was, I think, reflective of the environment he was in. It was all calm and quiet. And, you know, it was <laughs> measured and deliberate. It, I think it reflected where he was. In this instance, instead of being a bit too excited, that can sometimes happen. Yeah. Um, because I think it was he was um, accurately uh, echoing what was going on around him, and I, and I and and I really, I mean, that was one of the bits that the Rolls Royce area was one of the things that really uh, threw out at me. But I, I did think that that was um, their best bit they ever did was showing everybody. We make a lot of things very well in this country. Yeah. We should be proud. That, we we should be rightfully proud. That, that was an amazing piece, and I, I was very privileged to to work on 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 that day with 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 Richard and um, uh, lots lots of our own people as well. You know, it, it, you know what these things are like. You film for a day for for kind of two or three minutes, and again, it was it was just one of yeah. the, <laughs> the sun shines on. Rolls Royce and, and the British car industry sort of days. Uh, it was actually me driving, driving. I don't know if you remember. There was a sequence of I think a couple of race and a ghost and a drophead uh, mm -hmm. driving out of the factory. And I, I, I must say I kept cocking it up because I'm, I'm not the best sort of most confident driver. And it was one of those those kind of TV things of everyone has to press the accelerator very hard at the same time. You know, in, in a convoy, just <laughs> terrifying. Of course, you weren't synchronized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember us having to reverse up and down that driver, and everyone get very irritated with me. But um, that. that that aside, I mean, you know, the, the, the kind of wider sense of, 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 I suppose, that the renaissance of British manufacturing and, you know, 
crikey, if, if I'd have said to, to, to my dad or, you know, even your careers advisor at school 20 years ago, whatever it was, you know, I want to work in the car industry. They'd have said, you know, go and learn German or Japanese. That's, yes. That, those are your options these days. Or, you know, start applying for your green cards, go and work in the States. I mean, British car manufacturing was not in a in a good place. And, and you know, it's not just Rolls-Royce, um, you know, that have kind of led that renaissance, though I, I'm very pr- proud of the role that we played in, you know, in, in our own way. I mean, we're a, a, a small but very precious drop in, in what is a very vast ocean. But I think I think Rolls-Royce is spiritually very important to Britain, you know. I think it's, it's um, it would be right to say definitely one of the major flag bearers. Yes. I, I always, uh, you know, for, I always, for Britain, I, I just um, think. I mean, you, you you look at our customers, and, and I'm privileged to meet lots of them. And you know, the, the one kind of unifying characteristic about them is that they're, they're extraordinary people. You know, they, they've found success in in some way, um, and, and and that means they've all got a story to tell. And, and you know, particularly those those that you meet from around the world, and you think, you know, as a Brit, I'm, I'm talking now, not 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 just the Rolls Royce person. You know, isn't it wonderful that we can put into the hands of of the most influential people in the world a beautiful handmade British luxury good crafted at this this kind of stunning facility in in, a, in as English a place as you can imagine, which is good with you know rolling hills <laughs> and the seaside nearby and Goodwood House and all that kind of wonderful stuff. What does that say about Britain? I mean, that really does. I mean, it must fly the flag for for our sort of creativity and ingenuity and design excellence and engineering excellence and and all that sort of good stuff. And, you know, you you look now and and, and as I say, we're we're by no stretch the only ones. Look at what's happening at JLR and Aston Martin have got good news at the moment. And, Mm. you know, all all the rest of them, Mini, of course, you know, these these fantastic success stories. And, you know, isn't it pleasing to sort of, um, you know, sort of be a Brit who's enthused about cars? Um, Oh, absolutely. Because for so long... Um, to be uh, a fan of cars, you were looked down on. Yeah. Um, but I, um, but I also think um, going back to Top Gear, Top Gear has made did make that the resurgence of Top Gear helped make that popular again. It made it acceptable to enjoy cars, and you didn't have to do it in which is perhaps what uh, Alan and I do on the Motor Podcast in an cr- incredibly nerdy way. <laughs> Sometimes you can just enjoy them for fun yeah. and you can appreciate them for particular aspects that they shine in. And, and I think that's something that Top Gear helped uh, remind people they could do it, that it wasn't all about, um, you know, how, how wide is it and how many BHP and all this sort of stuff. It's not always that the, the car is more than that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it, at the moment it is a, it is a wonderful time to, to be interested in cars. It's a wonderful time to be in Britain, to be interested in cars because we get to see so many different ones. It's, uh, from, you know, right from the pinnacle, uh, of expense all the way down to, uh, the most economical yeah. to buy. And it's amazing, uh, what's all in there and people's different takes on transport. Absolutely. No, I mean, to, to your top gear point, I, th- I think it's it's real genius. It almost sort of sugared the pill, didn't it? You know, I mm. remember you'd sit down and, and, and you'd persuade your mum to watch it. You know, my, my, my mother, no interest in cars or anything like that at all. Absolutely. That is it exactly. They made it entertainment. They said it, they made an entertainment show that just happened to use cars as the, and pun intended, vehicle for it. And and that was genius, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and thinking about it, and I'm sure it's 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 as much coincidence as as as, as a sort of consequence of. But I suppose their renaissance, probably the early 2000s, probably it really did chime with with 
you know, sort of British British car manufacturing getting its mojo back. It's 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 quite amazing. It's you know, what an incredible sort of 14, 15 years. I mean, we're we're talking talking at the moment quite a bit about you know this 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 idea of, of chapter one is over. You know, for for, for Rolls Royce's renaissance at Goodwood, and, and we're on the cusp of this this kind of bold new chapter with you know the retirement of Phantom Seven and and the imminent arrival of the eighth generation Phantom and our, our aluminium architecture and. You know, you, you could you could put it out into a sort of wider sense that, that the whole industry is is has just enjoyed this this enormous kind of renaissance throughout the two thousands. It's mm. it's a story that needs telling more, I think. And then it's through very hard times as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, through the middle of all that is it's it's not been an easy easy ride um, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you were you were in uni when um, you know the economy was not great. You were you came out well. It still wasn't wonderful. No, no. Uh, into a you know a luxury vehicle producer, that couldn't have been easy for them to be in 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 a market when the because it was the global economy wasn't good. It wasn't just our economy. The global economy wasn't good at that point. So that that must have created such um, unique challenges at that time. Yeah, um, uh, but but I think you know great great companies and 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 car companies always sit amongst that pantheon of, of great companies. You know they they look long term and and mm. and they invest and they they bring people in and you know we, we, you know I'm certainly very lucky that 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 was the case and um you know that, that they look to the future and, and said right well you know we, we will take on a few interns this year. Um, you know in in as you say a, a very difficult time, but well I think the product cycle helps that. Yes. Yes. It is it is a manufacturer is looking so many years into the into the future on something they're working on now that you know the rest of us don't know, mm. or you know we've heard rumours maybe or whatever, but we don't know anything about it. And then you've got another department that's dealing with the now. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got another department that's dealing with the past. <laughs> so it's it's such a it it, it must be quite. Uh, it's almost like you could walk through through a, a company almost as though it was a timeline of <laughs> they could set well, I mean I can, I can only obviously talk talk for Rolls Royce but but you know I know one of the well I'm, I'm, of course I know but, but you know one of the sort of I suppose the key pillars of, of Rolls Royce's success and you know the sort of run of record years that we've had and, and real sort of sustainable growth that Rolls Royce has enjoyed over the last kind of 10 years or so um, you know has been about having a very balanced global sales picture you know, it's, it's acknowledging that, that that not every bit of the world is is going to be firing on all, all cylinders economically at the same time, and going, you know, we, we don't want to rely on one particular market. We we need to to grow into emerging markets, and it's it's what I was very privileged to see when I was in Asia. Asia, we need to cultivate our more traditional markets. That's that's the US and the UK and Europe, and um, and we need to nurture those markets that really are booming. And, and for a while, that was China, and um, you know, latterly places like the Middle East, and you know. With that sort of that very kind of balanced and, and sustainable growth kind of strategy, um, you know, you, you put a business into incredible shape, and you know maybe that's something that wasn't happening 30, 40 years ago, and that's maybe why you know we we, we don't talk so positively about that time in in the British car mm. industry as, as we do do this this sort of great great epoch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but people have realised uh, that it is a business. Yes, uh, and I think that's that's been a key. Well. That that's my personal opinion. That I feel that it's a key shift that people have realised that car companies are a business and therefore they have to work in a certain way. Otherwise, it does not work, as we have proven historically. <laughs> so, uh, 
Right, so I, I want to get back. You're, you're in Singapore now. Sorry, I'm going to I'm going to dash around here, left, right, and centre. There will be a test at the end, don't we? Um, <laughs> you, you've gone to Singapore. So, what are you doing in Singapore? What does What does a typical day? Because nobody that's listening here, or maybe a few, but hardly anybody will know what uh, would be expected of you uh, in your uh, intern role. So. What is the sort of things you'd be asked to do and that you get involved in? Well, just to give you a sense of, of, of the office, I mean, the Singapore office looked after a huge territory at that time. I mean, from India in, in, you know, to the west of Singapore, all the way across into sort of Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore itself, Hong Kong, um, all the way to New Zealand, you know, where... where it was- Crikey, that's, that's quite a few time zones. Yeah, yeah, which, which made things really, really interesting. I mean, because you do, I'm just trying to think, you do all of your Australia stuff in the morning, you know, sort of first thing, and then you do your India stuff late at night. I think that was the way it went, or it might have been the other way around, but um, <laughs> incredible, you know, and you sort of do career in Japan in the middle. Um and so, as I say, it was an extraordinary time for Rolls-Royce. We, we just launched, or not long before, had launched Ghost, um, mm. which we all know did, did an awful lot in, in presenting a sort of less formal expression of, of Rolls-Royce luxury. It suddenly, you know, peaked the, the, the interest in this new entrepreneurial class. You know, these, these, these very self-made people, people that were, were, you know, coming into their success with disruptive industries, quick money, dot com, you know, that 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 sort of thing. Um, so we were we were really opening up into new markets and new audiences. We saw a massive drop in the average age, lots more women coming into the brand and of course huge interest from from new sort of territories. So you know, because because we were so busy and we were, as I say, opening dealerships and, and entering new markets at the time, I was in this really lucky position that I, I you know, effectively I went out there to go and be a, an assistant, you know, sort of a, an intern assistant. Um, and I expected to kind of make the coffee, do as I was told, you know, listen a lot uh, and, and hopefully come away with it from it with with a nice experience of having lived somewhere and and some job prospects and, you know, hope mm-hmm. to just not disgrace yourself. But, you know, yes. <laughs> it's the best you can hope for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's quite, <laughs> but but with with how my boss, so Hal Sarudin, who who remains the the, the head of comms for, for Asia Pacific, uh, and actually Paul Harris, who who, who remains the regional director um, for Singapore, they they were they were very sort of empowering and and quite quickly realised that that I had huge enthusiasm that that I really had benefited from this this experience that I had in Goodwood and I, I could write a little bit, you know, that was, that was the thing. So I was quickly into writing press releases and backgrounders and, and, and that sort of thing. And I, I absolutely adored it. It was such a, it was such a fun way of, of getting, getting your teeth into the brand. And we were digging up these heritage stories about, our, um, Rolls Royce's history in India, which of course everyone knows is this, you know, it's incredibly rich history. A thousand cars went there between 1907 and 1947. And they were the most amazing sort of bespoke cars sold to the Maharajas in this kind of, this great, arms race between them, you know, to, to, to have who the, the biggest and sort of fanciest Rolls Royce fleet. So I'm kind of talking <laughs> to heritage guys out there and, and museums and, and and picking up these fabulous sort of Rolls Royce stories. And the same in Australia, where you, you've got a great legacy of silver ghosts and Hong Kong, the, the place with the highest concentration of Rolls Royces in the world. Mm. And, and so it was, it was an amazing place to sort of to, to develop that kind of editorial interest in, in Rolls-Royce. Um, and then, of course, as I say, because we were so busy, I, I, I travelled a lot. And, you know, I, I think I, I told you I've been on a plane, I think, four times um, before and two of them was uh, Mallorca and back. Um, <laughs> before moving to Singapore, I, you know, within the first week I was on a plane to Seoul, 
um, quickly into Tokyo, which is you know it's a place in your, you're in your early twenties. You've you've never really travelled travelled beyond Europe. It blows your mind. And, and I'm, I can say this sounds a, it sounds an incredibly British way to do it. It's a right. Just get on with it. Off you go. You'll be fine. Not, not, not to in any way that, uh, sort of give you the impression that that, that Helen Paul or anyone sort of recklessly abandoned me. I mean, it, no, no. But it just it does come across as that whole well. You know, we'll chuck him in. He'll he'll swim. Yeah. No problem. Best, best no problem. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was an incredible. Thing, but you know, obviously, just just assisting assisting the guys in, um, as I say, opening dealerships in in Palmy Night Crocky. I did did them in Delhi, Mumbai, Hyderabad. Uh, we did one in Seoul, did one down in Sydney, new showroom down there. Um, you know, amazing things, media drives that we did. I I ended up at um, one Christmas at the Maharaja of Jodhpur's polo tournament, as as only you can working for Rolls Royce and just spending, <laughs> spending a week watching kind of lunatic aristocrats run around on, on horses, always killing each other, and and then you know sort of spend the evening at, in, in balls at the Maharaja's palace. I mean, it's it was, dear diary, you're not going to believe this, but. <laughs> That was it. I mean, you would write, you would write home and go, "I'm really not making this up." Um, of course, it was you know blended with the more mundane stuff. You know, you are you are learning the ropes of, of how a press office works and sort of finance and and all of that sort of thing. But um, just the most amazing time. It was. I, I couldn't have been there at a better time. I don't think in terms of in terms of what we were doing, the way that the brand was 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 building so quickly. And as I say, this this great energy and this this kind of new breed of customer that was being brought in and this real contemporization of, of, of Rolls Royce. It was, it was such a privilege to be around it. Um, and, and how long were you there then? Exactly one year. It, it was, okay. It was almost to the day, which the, the only slight sour point is, I, of course, I missed the Olympics, which was which was disappointing. Um, because I, I came home, I, I remember flying into Heathrow, getting picked up, and, and I think it was the day that the Paralympics started. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I missed all that. Was the was the only kind of sad bit. I think I only saw the ping pong. And the opening ceremony, and sort of feeling terribly homesick with, with all that going on. But um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 as I say, I did did the year out there. Um, obviously, didn't disgrace myself. Was was very lucky that the the, the product communications manager had taken a bit of a shine to me when I was I was with him at, at Goodwood, um, and and we were just about ramping up and and getting ready to to launch Wraith. I think. I came back the September before the March, which was the Geneva for Wraith, 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and so quickly got thrown into to sort of supporting him as, as the product press officer. So a little bit of promotion and um, and just, again, the most amazing project to be working on. I mean, we, we, we talked about the, I suppose, the contemporization of the brand, this this new sort of breed, these new patrons of luxury that were that were coming into Rolls-Royce through Ghost. I mean, you know, I think that was quite, quite a dramatic shift you know then you get into Wraith where, where suddenly Rolls-Royce launches a, a beautiful fastback revives the notion of grand touring starts mm. talking about its brand in terms of having a sense of the noir talking about the Charles Rolls side of the brand these disruptive sort of pioneering characters um, things like the Schneider Trophy and you know those those fabulous sort of Rolls-Royce powered um, land sea and air records um, and, and and just getting into that that whole sort of phase with with launching Wraith, just an amazing time, um, you know. And and it, had you been you been still an intern at this point, or have you been given a full time job now? Yeah, I, I think yes. By then I was full time. By by then I'd sort of been been put in at the kind of the bottom rung as you know as 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 a, a product press officer. So I'd, I'd kind of eschewed the normal graduate route, and I was straight into that. I, you know, my, my writing helped. Um, yeah, I think that was that was one of the big parts of, of of that job at the time was 
was sort of really getting my head into into the writing of, of kind of you know the press packs and you know starting to frame the the, the sort of the launch of the car and um, you know so I was I was of, of quite a bit of use then and, and and then of course we we started to ramp into you know into its proper sort of on the ground launch uh, which which took place in Vienna um, and it, I mean it was just just a blur and of course in between that we we also I mean 2013 was the the, the centenary anniversary of the Alpine Trail. Um, and just just to kind of give you a sense of that, I mean, the Alpine trials were run obviously 100 years before for a couple of years, um, and 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 Rolls Royces absolutely sort of dominated them, um, and it, it it didn't just kind of solidify or, or, or cement the legend of, of Rolls Royces maker of the best car in the world. It, it, it really sort of um, promoted the notion of the motor car itself. Mm. A very skeptical audience. They they were seen before that as sort of the. Um, the slight, you know, indulgences of, a, of of the aristocracy, and you know, yeah. by 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 taking on these eighteen hundred miles around the Alps of sort of pretty much impassable terrain, um, you know, without breaking down, without even opening their bonnets up, you know, completely impassable roads even today. You know, they weren't metal roads, um, and you were doing it in Silver Ghost in in just supreme sort of comfort. Um, you know, we, we convinced people about the car, so so we recreated that in, in June that year. You know, again with the Silver Ghost Club, and at, at one point there were a hundred cars at Riva del Garda. You know, that, that had all kind of converged from various rallies, and there were sort of twenty, thirty or so Silver Ghosts that did the whole thing, and they, they you know they mapped the route exactly as it was, and, and we produced this wonderful sort of tribute to it, bespoke Alpine Ghost, and. I mean, I just had the most extraordinary two and a half, three weeks of my life. It was just, you know, glorious sunshine around the Alps with the most charming, wonderful people that are Silver Ghost owners who are out having the greatest adventure, you know, rolling around in these these priceless cars and, you know, driving them like they stole them, um, staying in kind of slightly odd and wonderful places, old monasteries and all sorts of things. And again, you just you just have this sense of, of only Rolls Royce, you know, how am I this lucky? Kind of mm. self moments. So it was, it was again an, an amazing time. You, you say you're at the uh, the, the bottom rung, and, and and I use that term loosely. I'm <laughs> using your your phrasing there, by the way. Yeah. Um, and you're uh, a product PR person at this point. Is that your is that your title? Yeah, I think it's a product press officer. I think I think it was a okay. Point. Yeah. Um, how long were you in that role? So I did that. And what for... did you move on to? Yes, I I, I did that. Um... For about a year, um, so I, I kind of I, I took it all the way through to, to, to sort of the launch of Wraith, and then alongside that, I'd, I'd sort of identified, you know, be, being fairly sort of ambitious. I, I remember um, talking to, to the regional director for Europe and saying, "Look, you know, there's there's a regional manager for for Asia and there's a regional manager for America, but." There isn't a sort of specific one for the UK. It was always run out of the product team in in Goodwood, which sort of made sense. So I said, well, you know, imagine what we could do if um if if there was someone dedicated to it. So again, I was I was really lucky, and and they they sort of created a role for me as as kind of the UK PR manager. And I suppose that's what most of your listeners and you know most kind of journalists and whoever you know whoever sort of bims around the car industry will know me as still. You know, as, as sort of the UK PR manager. And um, I, I added Western Europe, or I was I was sort of given Western Europe as a as a nice addition to that, and Western Europe comprises Italy, Spain, France, and, and Portugal. Uh, about a year ago, actually, um, and it's just—I it, mean, it's just the loveliest job. If, if someone said to you, "Would you like to represent Rolls-Royce Motor Cars?" You know, the most prestigious sort of British luxury brand, um, uh, and, and represented it—you know—as a communicator um, in your home market, as a proud Brit. 
Um, oh, and by the way, you get to go to France and Italy and Spain and, and deal with lots of charming journalists and go to wonderful places there. Um, you, you probably bite their arm off, you know. It's, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll have to start the hashtag pray for James. Yeah. The sympathy is just going to be flooding from everyone for you here at this point. You know, Poor James, what he's having to go through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. Uh, okay, then. Right. A uh, question I... I I uh, like to ask is, uh, and there's going to be two of these because um, of things you've mentioned here, but the first one is, what do you think makes uh, effective communications and PR? I think, I mean, look, it's it's terribly cliche thing to say, but it's a relationships business. Um, I think, you know, get to know the people that you're working with and work with them in a very collaborative, very sort of collegial way, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, sure, no one will sort of um, uh, deny it that, that you know, I'm, I'm known for, um, you know, enjoying a good lunch with 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 the journalists that I work with and and getting to know them and 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 having, I think, a very, you know, sort of a very positive, often sort of full of humour relationship with with people, and I and I think that that works in particular, and and then I think, you know, I, I'm very lucky. I, I work for a brand or a mark that I'm, I'm enormously passionate about. Um, and, and it's impossible not to, and, and I, I just think it comes across and, and, and people respond to that. And, you know, it, it's so often that, you know, Goodwood as a place or, you know, a brand within its, its sort of history and within its, you know, in, in the aura that, that sort of exists around it. Um, it's just so full of stories. And of course we're all in the business of stories. We're all in the business of communicating fantastic stories about cars and about luxury and about all of that sort of good stuff um, to our audiences. And, and, and if you love it and, and, and you're infused and, and passionate about those stories, then of course you tell them with passion and it's, you know, often I'll, I'll pick up the phone to a journalist. I know will respond to something that I've literally just seen on the line and say, you won't believe what I've just seen. These, these guys are working on a starlight headliner. It shows coordinates for, you know, a, a, um, a, a piece of art that we've created that you know, sort of in collaboration with whatever it is. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think people just, just really respond, respond well to that. So it's, it's a simple business. It's, it's, you know, as I say, it's, it's your relationships and it's, it's really loving what you do. And I think being as transparent as possible about that and, 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 you know, sort of presenting and, and realizing that you're the custodian of something, something very special and you play a very small, but, but, but it is an important role in, um, yeah, I suppose kind of representing Rolls Royce. And I, I never lose sight of that. I never lose sight of, of the privilege that is. And, the, and I suppose the weight of responsibility you have to, to fly the flag properly. I want to take a pause here sure. because I want to talk about your car history. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to come back to some more questions about uh, communications PR yeah. and, and the current state of um, how things are for motor journalism and uh, motoring writing and stuff. Um, but uh, when did you pass your test and what was the first car you drove after you passed your test? So you, you, I mean, this may end my career now. Uh, <laughs> I actually, no, I, no I, 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 I'm probably one of the few people that work in the car industry that admits that I'm, I'm not a particularly good driver. I'm a very enthusiastic driver. I, I, I love it, but I'm, I'm not a. <laughs> oh no! Right, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a good driver, but I'm an enthusiastic driver. <laughs> yeah, I've never written a- that has many connotations, and, and, and I've never crashed a Rolls Royce. So that, that's that. Well, that's the main thing. <laughs> but but it, 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 believe it or not, and I can't believe I'm putting this on record. It, it took me. It took me five times to pass my driving test. 
Okay. Um, I, I, and do you know what it was? I was desperate to pass it. I, you know, as I say, from from that that age, you know, however old I was, six, seven, when when I sat my dad's knee and steered the car a little bit, I, I was obsessed with the idea of, of controlling a vehicle and and just thinking, I can't believe that I can. I'm in charge of something that that sort of moves fast and it, it turns on my command and it can take me anywhere and it's all the freedom and all that that sort of good stuff. So, well, at I, that age, that is quite powerful because yeah. that is the biggest, most you know, marvellous thing at that age that you've ever been in control of. Yeah. And to realise that you can control it is is quite intoxicating because I was I was similar to you. I was, uh, you know, there was a friend of the family said, sit, sit in this, sit on my knee while we drive this Land Rover and you can steer it around the field. And that was it, you know, game over. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I not 17 yet? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is an amazing feeling. Um it's particularly in well I think particularly in a child so of course you think oh come on I need to get that I need to get the, come on come on yeah and and I remember do you know I remember being so impatient for it I, I ended up with a scooter like like a lot of us I suppose did because like, I lived in the middle of nowhere so of course you you know you, you're completely scuppered without without wheels um and, and so I, I had a scooter for a little while fell off that a few times which which gave me a life, lifetime sort of um fear of, of motorcycling um and I was almost, I was so desperate to drive that even at 16 and a half, I was looking at these kind of 50cc options. There was some loophole for a while that you could, you know, you could drive something on L plates. And mm. I was even thinking about kind of blowing every penny I'd earned cleaning a pub, you know, on one of those, because I, I just couldn't wait. And, and then, of course, sort of 17th birthday, I remember not, not being able to sleep the night before. I'd saved up, I'd bought a 1.3 Ford Fiesta on a P Reg, you know, the only thing I could afford to insure. Used to go and just sit in it at night, you know. I, I bought this before my seventeenth birthday, uh, and just just kind of just, just long for the day that I could I could kind of go out and drive it on my own, or or even have lessons. Um, and then I had my first driving lesson, and I was utterly hopeless. I couldn't. I, oh no! I, I'm I, crushing. I, well, it was. It was. I, I was there, full of confidence. I thought, well, look, I've, I, you know, I've got a bit of road sense. I've done the scooter. I've cycled for years. Um, and, and I remember being, you know, sort of going out on these kind of back roads behind a supermarket and. I just couldn't get it. And, and, and I remember even the instructor saying at the time, look, you need to calm down a little bit. You, you want this too much. You're not going to get through your test in three weeks like you think you're getting. Um, so, so the whole thing was a, bit, was a bit painful, actually. It took about a year. And actually, it was a, a boss of mine at the time. I'd, I'd almost sort of given up on it. I'd got really sort of depressed about the whole thing. And a, a boss of mine at the time, he, uh, he, he was really sweet, and he paid for an intensive driving course hmm. for God's sake just just get on with it you know I, I need you to be out and driving and um please stop moping around the office it's fantastic yeah <laughs> you're useless yeah I mean, he was he was brilliant and, and sort of got me got me through it on the fifth one um so you know I, I went from that fiesta there's a bit of a story with that so I had the fiesta my uncle took me out my, my great uncle who, who who himself is a, is a great sort of car car enthusiast um he took me out for a little lesson one one sunday afternoon and and i completely misjudged the turning back into our little cul-de-sac where we lived and i, I hit my neighbor's front door uh, oh no yeah which was pretty good good going before you even passed your test um got- there's there's that's you that's some finesse to get out yeah, of that it was well to talk your way around. well i did you know I, I i certainly hadn't unlocked any latent pr skill at that time because I, I, <laughs> I had to- you won't believe this but <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he came out he must have scared the living donuts out of me. i paid him the money for the door which he never replaced which always really irritated me and and, and from then on i, I got the four fixed by, by, by Blake down the road and I, I felt it was cursed so I sold it um, and, and got myself into a little Renault 1.2 
Clio uh, on an on an NREG, um, which, which which of course, like everyone's first car, I, I just have the most overwhelming affection for. Um, it was it. Was, they put up with so much. Ah, oh, yes, they well they do, and you put up, and they and they they give you freedom, and they have to put up with so much. Yeah, it, and it's it's that amazing thing of of that that first time you go out and it sort of legally and on your own and. And it is, you know, suddenly the the, the world's kind of open to you. I, I, again, I'm, I'm talking in terrible cliches, but but it is. It's 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 one of the great kind of moments of, of growing up. I, I feel terribly sorry for the people I know who sort of grew up in London who never bothered passing their tests because they, you know, they never needed to, and mm. they, they missed out on that moment. So so the, the Clio lasted a fair old while, and despite all the little quirks, and and took me all over. I drove to Scotland in that thing, and um, we, we used to race around. We used to do time trials up a road, which I'm, I'm sure is. It's, it's terribly incriminating to say up, up, up the 1071, A1071 between Ipswich and a place called uh, Sudbury and stuff. A great driving road, very underrated. Um, they've since put in what we call chicanes now, which a couple, couple of roundabouts. But you know, <laughs> that, that, that sort of taught me car control. That, cause a mate of mine had a polo. I had the, the, the Clio. We were quite evenly matched. And, and we used to see how, how quickly we could do that at funny times in the morning. Um, and, and so, Your honour. Yeah, yeah, you know, always <laughs> within national speed limit, of course. And, and so that, that sort of gave, gave me an interest in, in kind of car control and, and that sort of thing. So, so inevitably, I, 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 it led me to starting to do all right for myself. I, I kind of had my first decent paying job. And I thought, well, the old Clio's got to go. I'd had her a couple of years. And I, 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 I've always loved Alfa Romeo. Always aspired to have an Alfa Romeo. I had a neighbour who had a T Spark GT, um, and, and and as a kid, and, and absolutely loved it, and, and thought, right, I'm going to go in and buy the cheapest, smallest Alfa Romeo I can do. So I went up to the garage um, in in our little town, and was about to put the money down on a second hand. I think it was a one four seven, and then of course phoned the insurance company. And at nineteen, it's it's a non it's a non sort of conversation. And so when they when they finished laughing, yeah, yeah, it was. I could afford the car, but there's no way I could have afforded the insurance. And and it is to my enormous shame, and and I'm only putting this on record because I'm sure after a sherbet or two, I've, I have told people about this. I, I came out with a a sort of slightly off blue, be it Stilo. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, how how long did that last? Do you know what? In in your care, not that not the car last itself. How long did it last in your care? Do you know what that that car? Um, that did me all the, almost all the way through university. Uh, okay. Until I ran out of money and then I sold it. Um, and and actually, uh, I, I've long had a chat with with Richard Bremner about this. He, he's he's a sort of secret Stilo enthusiast, but you know he also has metros and that sort of thing. And I don't think it was that bad a car. I think it got a terrible rap. It, it never failed. It, brakes were a, a little, a little kind of shaky. It had the weirdest spec on it. it that, that was that was the really old. Whoever whoever sort of specced it, whichever dealer ordered it as, as kind of demo, it, it had all the sort of bells and whistles. It had city steering and electric seats and you know things that were fairly unheard of then. That you you know you'd sort of you'd really option this. But then a tape deck, which I always found kind of brilliantly Italian and, and slightly odd. Um, but it's it's a car I sort of became fond of. It was the first kind of nice thing I had that the heating worked, and you know I, I was fairly sure. Ah, luxuries. Yeah. And, and if I stalled it, I didn't have to get out and fiddle around with a solenoid to get it going. <laughs> so again, I have an odd attachment and affection affection for that car. No, but but to be fair, okay, I was I was a little bit mocking there. But to be fair, I don't think it was a partic- I think it, it wasn't a particularly bad looking car. Yeah. I think it suffered mainly for previous cars, and. Fiat dealerships reputations. I think that's where that car uh, really 
couldn't succeed in this country. Yeah, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. You, you do still see them around in Italy, and and and, and that, that you know. I've got two in my local town, actually. Are you serious? The estates all seriously, or the- seriously, got two in my local town. Well, you'll, you'll look on them fondly now. Um, I will. Uh, and if you, you ever see the, the the sort of the the oft you know almost fabled Schumacher Stilo, um, do do let me know because I'll. I'll kind of sell a kidney and go and buy it. I've going to one of those to the, to the stable. I mean, there, there aren't many of them around. I'll, t- I'll take a picture and send the GPS coordinates. <laughs> you can swoop in. I'll swoop in, yeah. <laughs> um, so so that, that was the stilo. And then, and then, as I say, you know, in that kind of grand way you do as a student, you run out of money. And, and so I got myself a little job and thought, you know what would be a really sensible idea um, at a time when you desperately need a car to sort of get home and start looking for jobs and all of that sort of thing is, is buy a really, really clapped out GT uh, Volkswagen GTI Mark II, uh, okay, and and that was my first kind of credible car, and I adored that thing. Uh, not but not a bad car, to be fair. I, yeah, it, it, I mean, I know everybody gets very misty eyed about the Mark ones, but oh, Mark Twos when I was growing up with the with the cars around. Yeah, uh, and so I've got a I've got a very deep fondness for them. Yeah, um, because I think I think it's a, it's, it's a good shape. Um, obviously, you know, at that point, Volkswagen had such a great reputation for build quality and all the rest of it as well. So, you know, and let's be fair, cars in those days, they didn't have that much in them to go wrong either. No, no. And it was, it was a smell of the thing. And, and it was, it was just, as I say, it was the first kind of credible car I'd had. It was the first car that, 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 you know, when someone asked what what you drove, you didn't have to sort of spend five minutes before justifying it, you know? (laughs) You could drive a car. I've got a part two. It was, it was, I suppose, a purchase that required some sort of thought and, you know, a bit of discernment and and sort of, you know, an enthusiasm. And and that did did me so well Um, until the day I had, I had four of us in, in there. We were driving down to a gig in Bournemouth in freezing cold, and it and it blew out spectacularly. And I, I don't know if you've ever suffered a blowout. I, I, I sincerely hope you haven't, because it's it's terrifying. I've been in the back of one. Ah, uh, geez, it's 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 a horror. Not funny. Well, I mean, for years afterwards, whenever I felt shudder on a steering wheel, I, I thought, geez, it's going to happen. It really does sort of mess with your brain a little bit. Um, and and so so that, it blew out and and when I, I remember when when I went to go and get it fixed and get tires done they found a litany of problems underneath um, and it was it was just about to, to go through its MOT and and all the rest of it and and very sadly and, and I regret it to this day I, I wish I had just just kind of swallowed it I, I didn't get it repaired I got it got it scrapped and um, but that, that's probably my great sort of automotive crime i think oh but we've all got we've oh. all got uh regrets we've all got oh i wish i hadn't got rid of that one i wish yeah. i wish i'd bought that other one that i didn't buy and all the rest of you know that's that is the the life of the car enthusiast there's always another one around the corner that's the thing you know, I've, I've, it's a little bit like a drug there's always another one isn't there? there's always a... <laughs> I, I let her down by, by you know i should have kept kept her alive because because she deserved it it was i, I adore that ah uh, but you made the the best decision you could at the time with the information you had yeah that's the way you've got to look at it you can't brassy. look back and <laughs> you cannot look back and then go well i i was wrong to that no with the information you had you made the best decision you could yeah so 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 after that that was that was not long before the end of university and then and then off to singapore so obviously didn't drive in singapore at all um no i mean that's that's i've recently there was a program um giles corran was uh doing a doing a series about hotels and they were in one in singapore that's got the swimming pool oh on the roof um yeah on the roof yeah 
Uh, and he, part of what he did is he helped to park the cars. Or, well, he didn't actually. He, because they let him drive a Ferrari around the car park and they said, no, you can ferry the people who will park the cars. Thank you. That's all we'll let you do. Um, but they obviously talked about the cars and the, the well, the, the cost just to get, a, is it, you have to pay a certain amount to be allowed to buy a car? It's, it's they, they call it, I, I believe, the certificate of entitlement, and, and apologies if, if you have any listeners over there and I've just got that wrong. Um, and and it's, it's exactly that. You, you, it's effect, if, I think it's effectively your road tax. So you, you, you pay in, a, in an auction a, a pretty, pretty big sum, um, and, and that's almost your, yeah, it's exactly that. It's your right to, right to your place on the road, essentially, because they're, they're very eager to, to keep sort of traffic and congestion down and, and, and all of that good stuff. And I must say, as a result, it's a, it's a remarkably easy city to get around. Um, so, so that, 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 I mean, it just would have been out of the question. I mean, you know, that and the, and the fact that, that obviously taxes on, on new cars there are, are very high. It's a, it really is a sort of wealthy, wealthy person's game. But, you know, occasionally we, we would chuck the keys to sort of company cars, not, not Rolls Royces and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, which, which was, which was always really lovely. But t- to be honest, I mean, you know, a cab was uh, an eighth of the cost it is in London and, and the, the, the underground networks air conditioned and lovely. And it's a tiny place anyway. So, uh, and you're spending most of your time on an airplane flying somewhere else anyway. Yeah, I was. I certainly missed it. I certainly, I, I, I missed driving and it, and it, it sort of sweetened it for me when, when eventually I sort of came home and, um, and, and was able to drive again. You know, it's a, a year away from, from something you, you really enjoy. And I, and I have always, despite being, as I say, not, not, not a brilliant driver, I've, I've always absolutely loved it. I've always been one of these people that still puts some loud music on and goes out for a drive. Um, mm. Particularly down here, just for the sake of a drive. Oh, isn't it just love? And that's that's something we forget because for so many people, driving is a chore. Yeah. And uh, us weirdos in this little corner of the internet who actually like driving, <laughs> you do feel that there's less and less of us every day. Yeah. It is sometimes it's lovely to just go. No, I'm, I'm just going to go for a drive. Yeah. Because I used to just go for a drive. Yeah. But but wait, what, what are you going to do? Nothing. Going for a drive. Yeah. So, so sort of the, the, the next car. So, so back, back from Singapore, went up to see my mum, and mum always had Mercedes. She, she always, she, she'd always buy used Mercs. Um, uh, so she wasn't spectacularly interested in cars, but I think just just got on with them somehow. Probably got on with the bloke mm-hmm. who was that would sell them to her. And and at the time, she was she was in an SLK two twenty. and she'd had a few of them. And I'd always quite liked them. It was that that sort of original shape SLK, which. Does have the slight sort of whiff of, of a lady who goes goes to the golf club, you know, about it. But she, she was selling that and and did me kind of a mum's rate, and and I needed a car, and I, I frankly didn't want to go home on a train that Sunday. So <laughs> I, I bought that from her. And, uh, what what was my criteria? My criteria was <laughs> somebody sort of professes to like cars. This is awful. It actually. It does. It sounds dreadful. No, but it's wonderful because it shows that we do make decisions on buying cars, not always with um, the clinical head, not always with the clinical heart. Often it's a mix of the two, and often it's the the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, there was there's been times where I've needed a car. I've had to have a car the next day. I've got the I've got to walk away from here with something. <laughs> and they know as well. They know when that. Yeah, happens. and it's just like a case of well, I'm going to pick something here because I have to. I you know I've got to be somewhere else tomorrow. So therefore, I need this now, <laughs> and, it, and it's never your yes. Well, it must have a massive V twelve. It must be ult- utterly reliable. You know, it's never any of those things. Yeah. It, will it start? 
Is it? Can I fill it up? Can I go now? Yes, that'll do. Then. <laughs> as, it, as it got sort of more than forty-eight hours MOT, I'll, I'll be all right. But but, but that, that thing was fabulous. I, 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 I drove that with the roof down in all weathers. And I was going to say, that would be quite... It's quite nice countryside down, yeah. down there to um, have a convertible. It's good for actually. a cruise and a lady's Mercedes. And, and <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're not too interested in driving with your hair on, you know, sort of hair on fire and kind of kicking the back end out and all that sort of thing, it, it's actually a very credible GT car. And, and both, both Mark Dixon at Octane and, and Steve Cropley Auto Car have affirmed that for me, that they, they, they said it's a brilliant chassis, it's great engine. And, and, and you've made an excellent choice, which was which is good enough for me. I even drove it in in, in several feet of snow. I sort of turned the traction control off, and it was brilliant. So um, that that thing really it, it really did, did a, a good turn for me. I, I then I then let it down a little bit. I, I closed the roof with a folder, um, quite a hard folder. You know, the little canvas thing that you pull down on a convertible. Stop mm. stupid. Um, and a little folder was protruding out. So I managed to smash the back windscreen. In front, oh. in front of half the company who, who would always give me oh. and it was one of those things that, that it was a really nice sunny day I'd kind of gone look at me I'm going to pull my roof down I've got a bit of music on so I had to kind of style that out drive around the corner almost in tears uh, <laughs> I can see through them honestly I can yeah. see through them. No, knowing it's going to be very expensive and, and you look really stupid and I thought all sorts of things are going to be broken and bent um, and, and luckily took it to a lovely chap around the corner who sort of fixed the glass up and bent a few bits back into shape and and, and it was it was fine and later um and 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 yeah that that car did me did me pretty well for 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 about a year and and then when i got the the sort of the uk um manager job once you sort of hit management uh, you know within a, a bmw group company um we're very very lucky and and, and we sort of hit hit a, a car scheme um and i think my first bmw was a 320i x drive um, which was just, a, you know, I'd never had a new car before. Um, I'd driven lots of BMWs, of course, but I mean, that was just a, just a world away. Um, and, and such a lovely, lovely thing to, to kind of have in your life. Um, and, and, and I'm ashamed to say that the Mercedes sort of sat there and rotted because I, I was, I was low to get rid of her, um, waiting for sort of the summer to come. Um, but, but, but of course, you know, I was so kind of enamored with this BMW. I drive that absolutely everywhere that, that she sort of, led a very sorry life on, on, on a bit of concrete just, just near my house until I eventually sold her to a, a, a friend of mine, Henry, uh, who, who dabbled a bit in, in, in selling cars. He, he bought it off me for a song and then sold it for twice the money to a vicar, would you believe, who, who, who drove down. Oh, no, he got a train down all the way from Cumbria. Um, so it's, I hope he went to confessional after. Well, I do, yeah, yeah. It's in good hands now, isn't it? I mean, can you believe it, a vicar bought that? That, that Mercedes off Well, Cumbria is renowned for convertibles as well. Yeah, well, indeed, yeah, yeah. Perfect, yeah, perfect like place for it. Because driving. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sort of a three series, and then I think I, I went into a four convertible, and I've had a couple of four series, and then absolutely a, a couple of 530s, um, you know, which, which, which is... That, that does sound oh. quite a lovely bit of kit. It's a, it's a lovely thing to have, and that, that, that 530D engine is, is as smooth as silk, and the whole thing's kind of wonderful and comfortable, but quick if you want it to be, and mm. as, as a thing to go and sort of hammer around and, and do a lot of miles in, which 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 I do tend to. I mean, I uh, you know I see our dealers all the way up to kind of Manchester and Edinburgh, and you know it's, it's it is one of those cars um, you know that you, you sort of get out of and don't feel like you've done three four hundred miles. Um, and at the moment, I'm in a I'm in an X3 because I'm about to move house, so I, I, I thought I'd do the incredibly sensible thing and 
and go and get a little kind of baby SUV thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's lovely. It's, it's, you know, living down here, we, we've got, we've got, you know, sort of nice scenery and you sit up high and you can look over the hedges and, you know, you, you feel, you, you feel those, those things that, 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 that appeal to, to SUV drivers. So as I say, very, very lucky, um, you know, to, to, to take part in that scheme. It's it always make a point of trying to have something a bit different every time. Um, but, but in terms of, in terms of extracurricular cars, um, we, we're just, as I say, about to move house and, and finally I'll have a bit of parking. Um, I mean, the, the, the one, the one car that I bought everyone to tears about for years and years and years, and is slowly creeping up in value. So I, I do need to hurry up about it is, is, is the XJS V12. Cause it's, it's my belief that at some point everyone should have a V12 in their lives. And <laughs> the good Rolls Royce man should always say that it's, you know, just a, a car that's always transfixed me. I, I remember I saw one in Paris one day. Um, rolling up one of the, I think the, the Ruda Invalides or something, something like that, it was in, in a sort of almost um, kind of a dolphin grey, and I thought that is just the coolest thing I've seen. You know, it was just just amazing in, in sort of twilight in Paris, a, a slightly battered old XJS. You, you kind of want to know the chap who's driving it. So um, it, it struck a chord with me, and I'm, uh, I do have my sights on one. It's it's a case of what needs doing to the house and what horrors are found when we start to redecorate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Please be good. Please be good. <laughs> <laughs> my car, yeah, yeah, and my shoes. Yeah. Oh, that's that's excellent. I I thoroughly applaud that that last um, aim. Uh, I've been lucky enough to drive one. Uh, oh, right. it, uh, and I I think they have aged wonderfully well. Yeah, they they yes, that that's a nice that's they didn't get the credit it deserved uh, initially, as I think everyone acknowledges, but. Mm, yeah, that's a nice, nice motor. It's a bit like the Second Coming by the Stone Roses, isn't it? You know, it's it's it, it had to follow something kind of magnificent, and it's probably always been in the shadow of it. And and actually, on on kind of second, third listen, a few years down the line, it's really a wonderful thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I want to um, pop back for a few questions sure. about your uh, about your day job before I run into the quickfire questions. Yeah, uh, and we round out. Um, when Okay, you've explained to us what you think uh, it makes effective uh, communications. What do you feel, being on the other side of this, uh, makes effective motoring journalism? I think, you know... Because you you can have two heads here. You can have someone who reads a magazine and you can have, uh, you know, the the car manufacturer, (laughs) which obviously wants to be, well, all our cars are lovely. Thank you. (laughs) End of story. (laughs) Look, I, I, I think that the story is, is inevitably, and the, and, the, and the really sort of interesting part of the story is always always kind of behind the metal, so to speak. Uh, you know, I, I love pieces. I, I read, um, I think it was Mike Harvey. He put, um, he put a thing on, on Twitter the other day, and it was, it was about one of the guys that during the McLaren F1 days, he was a sort of commercial manager that was parachuted in, and it was all about the sort of, the cost cutting that he he did, in a, but in a very sort of sustainable way that didn't in any way affect the the car and the, the program. And I'm probably completely sort of ruining ruining it here, but it, it was it was about someone you would find incredibly sort of mundane if you were you know it wasn't a kind of rock star designer or a CEO or or anything like that. It was it was someone who was very sort of in, into the kind of the nuts and bolts of the company. And it was just the most sort of compelling read. It was it was absolutely fascinating. And I think I think as an enthusiast, and I think as as, as a reader, it's 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 those stories that 
get into the sort of the the nitty gritty of of how and why and um, you know what, what makes a car company tick. What what makes car companies make decisions? Um, you know why do certain models um, get canned? Why do certain models have a really long life? You know all, all of those sort of good things. I think I think there's there's within the enthusiast a, a great sort of interest in that. So so those that get into those sort of stories definitely. And then you know I'm I'm still an absolute sucker for for, for that beautiful kind of long form adventure sort of stories you know ferraris to to the sahara and and mm. and stuff in that kind of spirit and and you know i love it when when people do it with 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 a rolls royce i'm talking as a communications person now um you know we, we we did a piece with with ben oliver um and and he took took one of our dawns we were down in, in south africa doing the launch and he just did this most amazing drive and ended up in an ostrich farm and you know kind of went off the beaten track and you know the, those pieces where where a car becomes part of a sort of travel log i think you know there's there's such a sort of richness to it and and i suppose again as an enthusiast and as someone who who is considering where that car might kind of fit into their lives and and and, and how it appeals to, to your sensibilities um I, I think that's a very sort of powerful thing and i and i still think you know in this in this very sort of immediate age within media where you know I, i'll sit there looking looking through my iphone and 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 if it's, you know video doesn't load in four four seconds i'm switching it off because my, my attention span is kind of shot now um, mm. there is still something incredibly indulgent and and rich in the experience of kind of pouring over 10 pages of beautiful copy and and brilliantly conceived pictures and kind of irreverent stuff that that, that doesn't always have the car in the in the foreground you know in, in the copy and the and the images that you know it, it's just you know this is the spirit that that car imbues this is what it's inspired me to go and do um you know this is how potentially it could fit into your life and i think that's that's something that will always that there'll always be a place for, and, and, and something that, that hugely excites me. And, and then I go into you know fast forward into the kind of this as I say this sort of digital age, and you know I, I look at a film that um, Alex Goyer, um, Carfection just did did with us, where you know he took our black badge, which is this inherently kind of modern thing, and it's this car that, that as I say these incredibly successful people in their early twenties are buying, and and you know these very sort of disruptive people. It would have been very obvious to kind of drive around, you know nightclubs and whatnot and, and, and talking about those kind of people and, and and he actually sort of researched very heavily the, the the sort of the bright young things these 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 sort of aristocrats in the in the sort of early 20th century um who were running around london having kind of mad treasure hunts and um dressing incredibly eccentrically and, and sort of linking it to that and I, I just love that sort of thing you know that kind of creativity that exists within within the, the huge amounts of talent i think that that are still writing about cars and making films about cars and you know talking about cars on on podcasts you know it, again it, it's that it's that lovely thing of, of putting lots of creative people into into one place and um giving them something to talk about and a medium to talk about that's rich and interesting and has is full of characters and full of sort of intrigue and calls to action for, for, for normal people and, and saying, right, go, go and be creative about it. So in a slightly rambly way, I think, I think the whole thing's in incredibly good health and um, I kind of, I, I still enjoy devouring it all, you know? <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, just, just to, to pick up on the last thing you were saying there about Alex Goy, um, we actually highlighted that video uh, on our news show and we recommended people go and view it um, because I thought it was an interesting story that was being told. 
Apart from the fact we get to see Alex in velvet, which you know, is just a joy. Yeah, yeah. It's a joy. I mean, it's, it should happen more often. Great pleasure. Um, which I think I have told him. <laughs> uh, but but I thought, it, as you say, it was an interesting story. We were being told a you know a story about something I I had no idea about that. So I was I was getting to see the car, um, and learn something which is not to be sniffed at. And also, I agree with you completely on the longer form stuff. We can go anywhere on the internet or in a magazine and find a first drive. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is more than than there is more of that than we can consume. Mm. Uh, and uh, I am not dissing any of that because some of that is excellent and it is it is good to read and I do want to read that. Mm. But I do also enjoy the longer form stuff. I mean, uh, I particularly enjoy how Tom Ford writes. Oh yes. Um, that and when you were saying about adventures and things like that, it, I think he he does a, a, a cracking. Um, a, a cracking line on that, yeah. uh, and uh, he's obviously got this this great imagination for going off and doing madcap, crazy things as well, uh, which is always interesting because it's. Uh, I think what did he take the MX five through? Was it Alaska? He did. I think yeah. it was one of his. He did a. Fa- of, of course, we we all think to do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But there's there's then doing it and and hooking it up, and 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 I think we were talking a little earlier on about the kind of practical skills. Um, mm. uh, you know, I, I think journal uh, car journalists in particular, uh, you know, they've they've almost got to have the the skills of TV producers. You know, they they it's amazing what they 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 do hook up and put together, and of course with the help of manufacturers and agencies and, and that sort of thing. But you know, they've got to conceive of these ideas and then persuade a manufacturer. Right? Um, can you please send your very very expensive, very new car that you're obviously very anxious about and you want to wrap in cotton wool um, to somewhere really weird? And and honestly, it's going to be fine. And, and we've got this idea. Um, and and um, you know and and then have a photographer come along and and kind of explain to do you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's mm. incredibly incredible sort of skill that, that that these guys have to kind of hustle and um, and make these things happen. Uh, but it's the, it's I think for me it's the creativity to 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 come up with the idea in the first place. I'd love to do that sort of thing. I'd love to um, to to sit there uh, and have um, the uh, the imagination to go. You know what would tell the story about this car wonderfully is is this, or what um, would be wonderful is to combine this car with this place because they both tell a fantastic story and the two together will be wonderful. And it's it's having that experience, that knowledge, that um, confidence as well. Yeah, because uh, you you've got to be confident if you, as you say, if you're going up to someone and going, excuse me. Uh, can I have your car? Uh, and by the way, we want to ship it halfway around the world. But don't worry, it'll all be fine, honestly. It, it, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think just, just to go back to my point about the kind of the story behind the metal, if you know what I mean. I mean, we, we, mm. we're really lucky at Rolls-Royce. Rolls, I'm not saying we're really lucky because it's it's what we do. Um, and, and, and I've said it a couple of times, you know, we, we are in, in so many ways a luxury house that, that happens to make cars. And, and, and therefore... What I find really sort of enjoyable is, is you know, obviously love working with the car guys and doing the, um, you know, the thing we did with Tom Ford recently where we, we, we took a Phantom Coupe off to, um, you know, film sort of a meteor shower, you know, in, in one of the mm. parks in Nevada um, and sending the Octane boys up to Scotland to go and photograph an eclipse with a black, um, with a wraith and, you know, all of that sort of more traditional stuff. But then, you know, I'm very privileged in, in my job in that, that, you know, there's this whole sort of artisanal craft story behind it. And, you know, it's, it's those pieces where, where you'll get a, you know, sort of a luxury journalist or a craft journalist or, you know, even a sort of cultural arts critic 
come along and, and they want to learn about, you know, how we created a new painting process to, um, you know, in order to, to, to paint flowers onto silk for an interior. And, you know, I, th- I think that's that's one of the real joys about the, the, the new age of media that we're in, that, you know, b- because because publishing is essentially sort of free and un- unlimited because of the Internet. And, um, you know, you're not you're not sort of bound by by kind of pagination anymore. Um, the, the right outlets that are interested in it and that have an audience for it, they, they, they have this huge opportunity to tell these incredibly rich stories down to their minutiae and, and then illustrate them so well. I mean, the, the standard of, uh, of photography and, and the sort of the artfulness of, um, of, of the way that, that not only online stories, but print stories are laid out these days. Um, even in my kind of six years in the industry, it's, it's just come on so much that, you know, that, that side of it, you know, never fails to sort of interest me. I mean, you know, the fact that someone could write 500 words about stitching and, and just create a beautiful kind of photo essay is, mm. I mean, what a delight to, to work for a brand that you can do that. And then, as I say, as well as, um, right, let's thrash down to Monaco in a black badge and try and, yeah. you know, race a train. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky I've got a palette as, as, as rich as we do at Rolls-Royce to be, to be able to indulge all of, all of them, you know. Yeah, and and one of the uh, the other ones that I, I I wanted to mention was um, Gareth Jones episodes. Yeah, uh, as well is um, he. I felt he really brought alive the the whole Rolls Royceness and everything else that he was experiencing. I, I think he does a, a um, I mean, apart from his normal typical show is with um, uh, Richard Porter yeah. uh, and with Zog. I think that that's wonderful. But when he's on his own and he's uh, he's talking about uh, either a particular car or a particular uh, product or something, I think they are wonderful the way that he, um, well, he always makes me feel as though I'm next to him yeah. and I can really picture what he's doing. So um, no, uh, I, I thought I thought that that was excellent as well. You know, when he sort of pitched that thing of, you know, I'll come to the factory and do the podcast, I, I, I was never going to say no because I absolutely love the podcast. And it was actually Goy that sort of, um, that, that kind of introduced me to him through, I think it was, they were, they were doing one of their big anniversary shows and I sort of offered to, to, Lend Gareth the Rolls Royce instead of, and, mm. and it took a while to sort of materialise. And I was really worried. I thought, geez, I'm, you know, how, how are we going to kind of illustrate this? It's such a visual thing, that, you know, the Rolls Royce factory. But it, it's his wonderful, sort of slightly laconic kind of that, that Welsh lil, and and he just paints a lovely picture and just gets a sort of performance out of people. And uh, it was it was one of the most fun days I've I've had in this job was just kind of walking around and um and, and just chatting to gareth about about what we're doing and, and trying to describe it to listeners it's such a different way of of, of doing something and it, I thought, yeah i'm glad you enjoyed well it's making you step outside your normal box that's yeah, for sure yeah yeah it's great it's great no I'm, I'm i'm a great consumer of podcasts so it's 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 lovely to be involved with them on this side of the fence so well that's no problem at all right well the, the last oh, last question stroke couple of questions possibly before i get onto the quick fires Right, you're working for, uh, and you know this is without being too complimentary to you because you know we're British, so we can't do it for no, too quite, too quite. long. Um, but you are working for one of the best known car companies, stroke luxury brands, uh, in the world. Yeah. How do you approach getting? the you know and again i'll hurt myself later for doing this but inverted commas air quotes message of rolls royce out how how do you i mean how do you sit and uh start a a campaign and sit and go right everybody knows rolls royce or has in their own mind what a rolls royce is Uh but i now need to tell a story 
How do you how do you approach that? That seems such a difficult thing from this side of the fence. Yeah, um, I I, th- I think I'll, I'll build it up a little bit more and, and say I mean not only you know the most what one of the most famous car companies of course and 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 probably the most famous luxury company but but remember as well this this incredibly powerful thing the Rolls Royce of you know that's that's a global benchmark of quality something is the Rolls Royce of and. Mm. You know, so so everything that yeah, we're prejudiced. Before you start, we're prejudiced. Yeah, <laughs> in what our opinion is. Yeah. Of, of, of course, uh, uh, look, I think I think everything everything we do, and 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 when I say we, I'm not just talking about us as a communications function. I think you know, you you look at the entire company. We we, we have this great credo, and 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 everyone knows it. You know, strive for perfection in everything you do, and take the best that exists and make it better. So so first of all, you you know, you you, you must apply that to, to to everything you do. You you know, we feel the weight of of that expectation, and, and then we of course feel the the the, the weight of. The custodianship of something that is the Rolls Royce of it's the Rolls Royce of Rolls Royces. It's you know it's the Rolls Royce of cars. It's the Rolls Royce of luxury. So does that get suffocating for you? No, at all? no. It's inspiring. It's inspiring and it's um, it's exhilarating and it's uh, as I say, you never feel you never fail to feel privileged doing doing what we do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to, to some extent, that the job is um, is enhanced and and not made easier because not, nothing's easy, but. You know, we we are compelling. People people are interested in what Rolls Royce does. You know, when when we put a new car out and it's it's a it's a rare occasion. It's a, a occasion of exquisite rarity. Um, for, for a little moment, the world does just take a look and say, right, that's that's Rolls Royce's position on luxury as it is today. Um, very good. Um, you know, okay, that's 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 where everyone else is is, is going to kind of kind of try to get to. So, you know, we, we don't have to kind of bang the drum in that sense. That you know, that, that I suppose you're 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 trying to just say, look at us. You know, we're Rolls Royce and we're doing something. It, it is a case of of then presenting the brand and presenting what is um, a brand that that people have very strong feelings for particularly in britain you know that there there is there is an enormous sort of reverence and affection that people have for rolls royce Mm. respecting that but also not being afraid to speak about the fact that that as a brand um and and as a luxury house um our, our customers have changed our offering has changed um us being uh, or going in a very contemporary direction, I don't think is new for Rolls Royce. I think we've always um, operated at the very vanguard of whatever sort of era we're in. Um, but but sort of you know moving us away from from when I first started, kind of phantoms in front of stately homes and strains of Elgar, into something as as kind of progressive and as as customer led. You've, you've had to shift perceptions. I think public perceptions. I mean, because I, th- I I agree with what you're saying. You know, you you think about the um, the Alex Goy uh, film and who he was describing. Mm. They aren't <laughs> in front of stately home type people. No. You know, that's not what you're talking about. You know, the the driving around the Alps without lifting the uh, the engine cover. That's not you know uh, a very staid uh, cliche type image. No. These are people who are pushing things. Yes. Yes. And those those are the people that have always been patrons of our marks. So you so you know I, I always think it's you know brands brands that have great heritage and 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 houses that have great sort of history and and you know however you want to put it, um, you know I think sometimes they they can they can look like kind of dads dancing at a disco when they when they try and say right we're young we're, we're modern 
but, but I think I think you know the most important thing that that, that we do as communicators is, is is we have to act with sort of integrity and and authenticity. Uh, and the reality is that 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 what we describe and 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 what we you know with something like black badge, what we're we're messaging, you know that that slightly sort of ugly word, what we're what we're projecting, what we're communicating is reality. I meet these customers. I'm meeting these people in their late twenties. They are the bright young things of, of mm. 2017, you know, in the same way that Charles Rolls, you know, it was the Elon Musk of his day, you know, that kind of crowd is, is now coming to us and, and they're commissioning through our bespoke program, a certain, certain type of car. So I think if you, if you have that intimate understanding of your customers, you have that intimate understanding of your brand, of where it's been, of, of why, where it's been is relevant to what's happening today and 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 how your past gives you permission for your future i th- i think the job of communicating rolls royces um is a joy a pleasure it's of course always a challenge because as i say you you do have this huge sort of feeling of, of kind of weight of responsibility um you know of, of of people's sort of affection for the brand and 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 it's it's simple sort of prestige and it's place within the kind of the pantheon of of luxury houses but um you know, it's 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 certainly not a not not a sort of an unpleasant challenge, um, if if that makes sense. Mm. Do you um, do you feel you have to balance the inherent exclusivity of of Rolls Royce with accessibility? Is is there a balance between allowing people to glimpse what the brand means, but yet still make customers feel special when they come to you? and say, right, I would like one, please. And, you know, this is, is obviously going to cost a significant amount of money. Yeah. So therefore, you know, I, I wish to be f- made to feel special. Of, of course. I mean, look, that, 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 that exclusivity, for, you know, for want of a better word, that, that rarity, we, we prefer mm. that the, sort of that notion of rarity that you get with a Rolls Royce is, is, is sort of inherent within the brand promise. Uh, you know, as you know, every one of our cars represents a, a unique customer commission. Um, you know, our bespoke business is, is probably one of the, the great sort of stories of that first chapter in the Renaissance, so to speak. Um, you know, we, 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 we are not a volume focused business. We're, we're into sustainable growth. One more car a year is success for us. We acknowledge that those customers, they don't want a car on, on every street corner. And, and we're very true to the relationship that they forge between Rolls-Royce. These, these are patrons of luxury and they, they, mm. They seek to, to forge very meaningful relationships between themselves and and the brands, whether that's a watch house or a jewelry maker or the architects who's building their their apartment or the um you know the designer that's creating their yacht, and and and, and the- so what you're saying, sorry, just just, just to try and understand this yeah. properly, is you're saying that these the typical customers are not people who flit from um thing to thing to thing you know this this is all about a relationship this is all i know it is from rolls royce's point of view definitely yeah that's that's clear from from listening to what you've said it's definitely a relationship from your point of view but from their point of view this is no i i I, i'm i'm not sort of snapping a finger and something's happening i'm i'm having a a conversation we're developing something we're going to work together that's that's exactly it's a very very collaborative process and okay. and, and okay. you struck on something absolutely spot on that, that that most of our customers have probably gone through that 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 what i'd call acquisitive stage of of, of becoming wealthy they, they've kind of done that they've um you know they've probably you know found their success they've sold the company they've they've done the ipo whatever it is and bought fabulous things all around the world and, and probably sat there two or three years into that process and gone 
okay, that was that was really a lot of fun. But but now I want to start creating things. I want I want to start sort of adding to the fabric. And this is where they get into collecting art and they get into um, commissioning homes. You know, actually building their own yeah. homes, yachts, that sort of thing. And and, and this is when they, when we tend to tend to find they come to us. And and as you say, it, it is a very collaborative process between designer, artisan, engineer and and patron um and the result is something deeply personal and what you can never do with that that deeply personal relationship is is in any way sort of derogate it or um i suppose sort of um uh, reduce it by by either proliferating too much either you know spreading spreading your brand around too much i.e chasing volume um or, or or by being inauthentic in any way and that's that's not using the very best materials or not employing the very best artisans and just sort of covering up a bit of plastic there with a bit of veneer or, or whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. you know that that's not a true luxury approach. And it, and it's the same with communications that, that you you know you began to answer ask the question with how do you balance that that sort of exclusivity and this very personal relationship that you have with your your patrons um, with 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 you as as a business that that obviously. Um, or you as a brand that, that that has an audience that's compelled by you beyond those four thousand people a year that are obviously in the position to commission one of your cards, and 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 we think very you know sort of carefully about that, and and you know initiatives like the the public exhibitions that we took around the world a few years ago very much acknowledge that that you know we we do inspire people, and and people people want to know more about Rolls Royce, and they want access to Rolls Royce. You know, we did a TV documentary. We're we're very open with the press and and sort of bringing people in and you know trying to tell that story in as as sort of sensitive a way as possible that that acknowledges people's interest in it. Um, but but whilst of course always always being myopically focused on on respecting the customer and, and the relationship the customer has with the mark so you know i think it's something that we that we get right we're, we're quite uniquely placed we, we we really understand it i'm you're probably better to comment than than i am on that but um you know it's it's, it's something that, that presents a, a stimulating challenge let's put it this way <laughs> yes <laughs> that's polite way to put it yeah. uh- but no, I do. I do think you get it right. I do think that um, we do know an awful lot about how uh, a Rolls Royce vehicle comes to be, but we're not in the back pocket of someone while that you know, or, or looking over someone's shoulder while they're going through the process. If you see what I mean, there is that separation. We we know what the process is, but we do not see individuals yeah. go through it. And I and I think that's. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's key for you guys and it's and it's something that you I think you do very 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 well well look I, I realise I have been uh, interrupting you now for quite some time uh, and and I really appreciate your time uh, but I, I I think this is a good point to move on to the quickfire questions and then we'll um, we'll round this out because uh, otherwise I don't think I'm going to let you get off the call uh, because I could talk to you for hours about this it's been utterly fascinating for me um, no it's been, it's been great thank you so much but so I'm going to move straight away into the um, first questions um, and for regular listeners, I am not going to bother saying what I did for the first 23 or 24 episodes, which was to say that I'm going to ask the question and then you will answer the question. I'll move on to the next one because I've realized in time that I've set up these questions um, subconsciously for me to go, but, and, but. Um, <laughs> so, so the idea was that I would ask the question, we'd move on and that's it. But I always find that I want to ask a second. So I, I will try not to do that, but I can't promise. That's that's the best I can do for everybody listening. <laughs> so um, first question, and th- these are um, 
You can answer this in whatever way you feel on all these. But the first question is, what currently excites you about the motoring world? I, I think we're in a period of extraordinary change. And, you know, with, with obviously electrification and autonomy and, and all of the things that, that I suppose Rolls-Royce laid out, um, you know, in, in 103X, the, the vision vehicle that we we put out last year you know the, the, the this was this was uh it started my thinking you know very intimately about about the next kind of 20 or 30 years and i think that you know the car industry is always you know it's it's faced many threats and it's faced many um you know a changing world and changing sort of consumer tastes and uh, i i'm just kind of I'm, I'm i'm so excited to be along for the ride as as an enthusiast as someone who works in the industry and as um, you know, someone who 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 will will maintain a passion for driving, probably not that well. Um, you know, into the future, and I, I I just think, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty weak answer, but but you know what I mean. It's 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 just it's an extraordinary time. I think it's always good to be to be in something when it's it's in flux and it's in change. And you know, I, I know the talent that exists within this industry, and 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 they will come up with amazing solutions, and um, it'll be it'll be a hell of a ride. Mm. So what currently worries you about the motoring world? Nothing, nothing particularly, particularly worries me for, for the reasons I, I, I kind of laid out earlier or in the previous answer. I think, I think the car industry has survived, you know, the most, most tumultuous sort of century in, in humanist history. Um, and I, I think it will overcome those challenges. Um, I, I think maybe one or two will fall by the wayside and, you know, that, that's, that's kind of part of it. That's, that's progress, but you know, nothing, nothing, worries me i think i think we should all be stimulated by it and and um energized by it by what's happening and um and, and look forward to it so yeah no, nothing nothing hugely worries me okay so what has been your favorite car to drive and why was that wow um i mean look unquestionably it has to be a rolls royce um because you want to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. I, I, no, no, no. I, I can tell this is your this is your honest answer. Don't yeah, worry. <laughs> um, I'm going to be terribly diplomatic as well and say, you know, I've had the privilege of driving all of our cars fairly extensively and in lots of different situations. Again, hashtag poor Jane. Um, <laughs> and and what, I'll tell you, what what I love about um, you know our our sort of model family, our collections is is that they're complementary and absolutely suited to certain occasions. So. You know, I remember taking a dawn, um, you know, sort of down to Camps Bay in South Africa with, you know, kind of beautiful breeze in your hair and all of that sort of cliche stuff that, you know, the, the, the Atlantic Ocean on, on your right, um, you know, the, the, the sort of you, you clinging on to the bottom of the world as you do on that road and just thinking, you know, is there anything more perfect than being in a gloriously quiet convertible v12 with the you know sort of air swirling around the cabin in exquisite comfort with 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 absolutely nothing to distract you from you know just the pure pleasure of the moment that that was absolutely delightful uh, piloting a, a phantom coupe in scotland you know this car of kind of rare and exquisite beauty that you know turns heads and and and, and gets an enormously positive reaction wherever you go and and sort of that that, that sort of lovely control that you the, the way that you control phantom in particular with your fingertips you know it's just a it, it's like nothing else it's not like driving a car it's sort of you, you you float along rather beautifully and then and then sort of you know hammering a race 624 brake horsepower of it um you know never sporting you know but it's you know it's certainly a dynamic rolls royce that encourages one to push on around sweeping alpine roads so you know we 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 we, we have different different jackets for different occasions and, and <laughs> 
they've all... That's a wonderful way to put it. Yeah, they've all in their own way served up kind of those ultimate pinch yourself, this is the best possible driving experience. I, I remember I, I drove once, I drove a Phantom Drophead in, in teeming horrible Rome, which is a bit of a shame, from St Andrews to Goodwood in a day. Um, sort of pulled up at Goodwood at four in the morning, and I was actually upset the journey had ended. Which, which I thought was. <laughs> Can I go back again? It was, yeah. I was, I was genuinely annoyed when we got down to the last hundred miles. I thought, oh, this, 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 this adventure, my time with this, this kind of magnificent car is is over. So, um, and any Rolls Royce, you know, and on any occasion, they they have this this wonderful habit of just enhancing anything you're doing, you know. Um, which is which is a terribly political answer, but it's um, it's unashamedly true. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's no problem. Yeah. Okay then. Um, I'm guessing that uh, your answer for this next one will be different. Uh, what has been your least favourite car to drive, and why was that? <laughs> oh, oh, a Lancia. Um, sorry, Lancia. Yeah. In in I had um, I I, I did a job uh, last summer in Tuscany, um, and and ended up you know sort of really losing the hire car lottery. And, and I remember being with... Oh, but they're not proper Lanciers. Are you saying this is a new one, so it's just a rebadged Chrysler? Yeah, yeah, of course. This is what I mean. Yeah, no, God. No. Oh, poor yeah. you. Uh, I know, and it was it was, it was was three of us in a, in a in, on a steaming hot day and trying to get this Lancer up a hill in Tuscany. And, and, and I thought, how can a modern car not get three fairly robust men, I must say, but fairly robust men up a hill you know it, it, and it wasn't it wasn't an out. You know, it was it was, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of half a driveway and I, and I thought... I thought that's really sad that that that, that, that you know it, it was so, it, somebody sells something that can't do that. It was yeah, it was just it was just that that horrible thing of being on the most amazing roads in the most amazing conditions and then just just not being in a car that would that would indulge the enthusiasts. Let's put it this way. And you're the exception to prove the rule that uh, higher cars are the fastest cars in the world. That that really was the exception. I must go. <laughs> and and you've taken one for the team there. Yeah, I did. I, think I did. Yeah, yeah. Shame it didn't. Off the mountain, but yeah, that, that 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 probably has to be the way that's stuck out. I must say. Oh dear! Uh, right, that's that. That is definitely fair enough. That can, <laughs> we can go into room one hundred and one for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, um, what car would you like to own next? Well, I, I said, I, I mean, look, if, if, uh, money no object. Um, uh, well, we could do this all night. I I I do a stable, and I could possibly choose one. But but I'm, I'm, I must say, within within my sort of um, modest means and with houses to buy and the rest of it, I've got to say that that that, that XJS V12. I, I kind of owe it to myself now, and owe it to all the people that I've bored on about it to, and who've been very kind in sending me lots of information and telling me about theirs and um, sending me adverts and me absolutely doing well, sort of doing absolutely nothing about it. Um, so, so I, yeah, no, no pressure. I probably have to say that money, money, no object. I mean, you know, sort of new phantoms around the corner. So um, it, w- it would be a bit rude not to not to do something very interesting with bespoke and, and create a rather a rather lovely phantom. Um, though I'd want all the Rolls Royces for the reasons I discussed before. So <laughs> I, I need to, one. I, I need I need a big garage now because yeah. I need one to go get the milk. <laughs> I need one to be able to indulge yourself. Like, I mean, it, wouldn't it be amazing just to be able to go ten car garage? Um, and really do it. Um, oh, but that's the problem with choice. Yeah. Could yeah. you narrow it down? I mean, if it's one car, that's easier than if you had several. Yeah, it is. It is. But no, I've, I've got to say that the XJS ticks a lot of boxes for, for you know, still a pretty a pretty reasonable amount of money. And, and I mean, they don't go that wrong, hopefully. <laughs> We'll bring you back on and ask. You. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just listen to your sob for an hour. Yeah, yeah, you remember I told you about that? <laughs> so, how was the aircon? Oh, <laughs> the aircon. 
Uh, okay, so uh, what is your favourite road to drive on? Well, I should say the 1071 now. I've, I've built it and everyone's going to... No. Um, th- there's a couple, actually. There's... there's. I mean, that is, again, being a bit cliche, but that, that bit around Scotland, um, so you, you, you go up past Perth, uh, pick Lockery, I think it's the A9, isn't it? The, the old military road. Uh, and, and any number of the places that you sort of turn off there, you do left and left a little bit, and suddenly you realise you're in heaven. Um, and, and there's no car around for miles, and you can just sort of get out and listen to absolute silence being magnificent scenery on you know smooth roads that you know as i say that that, that are pretty unpopulated and uh, is that near where um uh, evo do their annual car of the year I, I, shoot do you think it, probably i i know they do because it's definitely up that way yeah i mean it could well be there's there's less roads than you think around there so it's it's, it's fairly likely that, that what i'm describing that there'll be motion journalists screaming at me saying the exact road um but, but I've, I've kind of often found answers on a postcard yeah, yeah <laughs> I've, I've often found them by accident um I, I did the wild atlantic way last march and i've got to say that that for I mean scenery unbelievable and and just people are lovely and it's just a delightful place to be kind of Dingle and the whole sort of um, Dingle Peninsula around there um, on on the west coast of Ireland um, and then I'm just trying to think and actually do you know what whenever I travel around the world um, and I do get to go to some lovely places and also some not so nice places and and I, I know it sounds it sounds sort of terribly trite but but the road between sort of London or Gatwick or Heathrow, wherever it is. And when I drop down sort of past Petworth um, down here in West Sussex and I'm on the, on the road back to, to where I live in Chichester, you know, it, it's, it's that feeling of coming home. It's, it's flanked with the most beautiful views and it, it's kind of wonderful kind of green diverse views that you get in, um, you know, down here in Sussex, you know, the, the South Downs and the Arran Valley and, and that sort of thing. And um, I have such sort of positive warm associations with, with seeing the, the kind of the green, green grass of home, so to speak, that, mm. that I have to say that, that, that road never never particularly fun to drive because you're always stuck behind something um but it's i don't know it's 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 just it's just breathtaking scenery and it's one of those you know gosh i i, I had never intended to live down here i never i never even knew the place existed before before the job came up and um and, and i'm so lucky to have found it as home so so yeah i'd say those those sort of three would would be the favorites and of course the old a1071 which uh which was where my legendary car control was forged my, my nascent racing career <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what has been the most pointless optional extra you've experienced? Oh, oh, that's that's a very good one. It's got to be something on the Stilo. It was a button that probably did nothing. I'm just trying to think. That's a really good question. Um, do you know? I think I, I would say it was the city steering function on the Stilo, which was utterly. Utterly pointless, and at times, if you forgot that you've left it on, it's dangerous when you got into <coughs> me, sort of high speed cornering because it would it would just get ever so skittish, and it's, it's, I can't really describe the feel it would give you. So yeah, you know, why have city steering but sort of a tape deck? I, I never really understood it, but um, yeah, I would I would certainly say that. Yeah, yeah, a lot wrong with that steeler now. Thinking about it, the looks weren't that bad. It's not a bad rear three quarter. Um, no, they, con- considering what else was around at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, it had a, it had a whiff of the the from certain angles. If you squinted a bit in certain colours and lights, it had a whiff of the A3 about it, which I always thought was mm. that generation of A3. And I can't, I, I couldn't do the proper 
sort of designation. But that was not a bad looking car. Um, it was it was sort of a, a working man's equivalent, I think. Um, yeah. in, in my mind, at least, anyway. It's what I told myself. Yes, and that'll do. Yeah. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, now you've been subjected to uh, the call with me, uh, who do you think should uh, I should talk to next and should have to go through this Paxman-like drilling? <laughs> have you spoken to Goy? <laughs> yes, he's been on. He's been on, he's been on. He's, he's been kind enough to come on, yes. Oh, who, who should you speak to? I would talk to... I would talk to Mark Dixon at Octane. I think he'd be an interesting character to have a chat to. Mm-hmm. And he's very charming and lovely, and he'll he'll thank me immensely. Um, but yeah, he's he's got a great car history, lovely chap, done all sorts of interesting things, um, and can can talk to you for hours and hours and hours about old cars, and has a far better car history than me. So I think I think we need to kind of we need to rebalance a bit of credibility. So <laughs> Well, um, thank you very much for coming on. This is this has been uh, utterly wonderful. Like I said, I could talk to you for many more hours than you've been kind enough to give up <laughs> in the many hours you've already given up tonight. Um, what are the best ways for people to follow what you do or get in touch if they want to? Uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, when they want to buy a, a Rolls Royce or something like that. Uh, what, what would be the best way to do that? Um, I'm 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 Twitter. Um, I do Twitter. I don't do it as much as I probably should. Um, but I'm I'm an enthusiastic kind of looker, and if if people want to is that what me, you're saying? You're... Yeah, probably. Oh, probably lurker, lurker. Enough. Um, but but no, if, if people get me on there, that that might encourage me to do a little bit more. And and I'm always always delighted to kind of if, if people want to send me a direct message or whatever to have a chat, answer questions about Rolls Royce or anything else. So um, my my uh, handle on there, I've, I've you might have heard, I quickly quickly googled it, um, is at James underscore Warren underscore RR, which is incredibly snappy. Um, and then I would also recommend having a look at two Instagram pages. We have one for our European um, sort of marketing communication team, which is at Spirit of Rolls Royce on Instagram. Um, and it, it's it's a bit more of a sort of inside account. It's lots of events. It's a bit behind the scenes. It's it's uh, it's quite a good insight into into the lives of our customers. Um, and then if you 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 really fancy following me and seeing. Seeing me take pictures of plates of food and bottles of wine, I like because um, I, I tend to use this one as a bit more a personal one. Then it's um, James I Warren on Instagram at James I Warren. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you fancy a bit of that, then, then follow me. And as I say, people are always welcome to send me a direct message, and I'm I'm, I'm more than delighted to answer any questions. Well, excellent. Well, we'll make sure that that's all in the show notes. Um, so people can do that. So if they aren't already, then they will be shortly following all those. Um, and and just leaves me uh, the, the chance to say uh, thank you so much once again. It's been fascinating to um, to talk to you. It's been fascinating to uh, hear how you got into it because that's just an amazing story and all the places you've been. Um, but it's also fascinating to hear about Rolls Royce. Um, and and you know it's because it is such a special mark. Uh, that it's it's always interesting to hear what the people from inside think the mark yeah. actually is, um, and it it you'll be pleased to hear, being head of communications, that I've got the feeling that what you think it is is what I think it is. So that, that, the job is going well from yeah. that point of view. We, we've done all right. Well, look, I, I hope you get the sense that that you know we we are. Above all, incredibly passionate about about working for Rolls Royce, and we, we we do absolutely sense the sort of privilege. And, and look, we're, we're we're so delighted that 
that people take such an interest and it's it's been a, a real a real pleasure to chat, chat to you and, and be part of the show and um and, and for those that have, have, have kind of listened um thank you and and, and as i say drop drop me a note and you know we'll, we'll talk some more it's it's been a real uh, re- really fun evening okay thank you very much not at all cheers andrew thank you thanks once again to james for coming on rear view and chatting to me i hope you all found that as fascinating as i did if you want to suggest someone i should ask to come on this show please do get in touch if you use the hashtag #RearViewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it in motoring podcast towers If you want to get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news and opinions, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast, which has just turned 100 episodes this week. Remember, we now have a Patreon subscription offer, which is available at motoringpodcast.com forward slash support, which, if taken up, helps support the Motoring Podcast and what we produce. So until next time, that was James Warren. I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.